please welcome Anita Whitehead from KPMG, Jason Vian from Morgan Stanley, Carol Lee from Women's Health Access Matters WAM, Veena Jayadeva from Guardian Life Insurance Company, Scott Case, National Retail Foundation, and Karen Warzarek by uh, BNY Mellon. I'd like to begin by um, telling our audience a little bit about yourselves, your organization, and what is the most important mission priority at this time for you? Uh, very good, thank you. Um, so George, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. It's a wonderful event. Uh, my name is Scott Case. I'm with the National Retail Federation. Uh, NRF, if you're not familiar with it, is the world's largest trade association for retailers. So our role is to advocate for the people, brands, policies, and ideas that make retail thrive. And my role is the Vice President for Sustainability which in the retail space is all about collaboration. It's about collaboration among the retailers. More importantly, it's about collaboration with all of the suppliers that make retail possible and all of the consumers that give retail a purpose. So everything we do at NRF in the sustainability space is about collaboration. Well, I'm glad I followed you, actually, Steve, because I'm an ex-retailer. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm happy to be out of that space. Uh, having built a global brand um, that was 85% female, I realized exactly what happened when women were not at work and not part of the workforce, either to take care of an elderly parent uh, or a child. Uh, and I created WAM, Women's Health Access Matters, uh, which is a not-for-profit, which is focused on understanding and accelerating uh, what the financial impact might be uh, if women were uh, equally part of research, which they are not. Um, and so our goal is to create a much more equitable playing field uh, and show you, which uh, we did by um, commissioning the RAND Corporation, what the economic impact is if we invest in women's health research. Hi, good morning, and thank you, George, again, for this opportunity. Um, I'm Anita Whitehead, and I currently serve as the chair for the KPMG Foundation. KPMG, as most of you know, is one of the big four accounting firms. Um, what's important to us today is about two years ago, we, had, we launched um, our strategy around diversity, equity, and inclusion called Accelerate 2025. And this is actually an internal strategy focused on increasing the number of underrepresented talent um, in our workforce. Layered into that is what we're doing to support our communities. So earlier this summer, um, in honor of our firm's 125th anniversary, we launched a $125 million commitment towards equity and access in our communities, primarily focusing on education, health, and workforce development. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you, George and IdeaGen. Um, it's an honor to be here. Um, I'm Karen Warsazic. Uh, part of me wants to use a scabble because it's here. Um, <laughs> it's enticing. Um, and a couple of roles that I play, uh, one is a regional president for BNY Mellon um, out of the, the Washington, D.C. region, and then another is a community activist. So um, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about partnerships and collaboration, and I don't think we live in our professionals, uh, wear our professional hats in a silo. 
Um, so I, I live that um, day to day and focus very actively on poverty alleviation in both of those roles, um, influencing uh, capital allocation. I serve on the firm's responsible investment advisory board nationally. So, and what that involves is working with all of our regions across the footprint to help uh, those of our, all of our advisor communities in each of our networks be in their community and, act, and helping others access capital and ideas that achieve the 17 sustainable development goals. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of talk more about this, but with BNY Mellon specifically, we put a, a campaign to com, committed to putting the community first. And so we really believe and at the corporate level that it's vertical. So we have put many, many programs in place that address the E, the S, and the G. Um, and in particular, as it relates to um, the S in the pandemic, in this kind of recent three-year period, thinking about how we implement and activate some of the DEI initiatives around talent, especially in finance. Um, one of the, I think, you know, poster children for um, a lot of barriers to entry for diverse skill sets. So we put much in, much in place to kind of activate uh, that pipeline. Um, we also um, have expanded board involvement as part of an initiative um, to achieve more of a 30% to 50% and play a prominent role on 50-50 women on boards um, around the country to help, to help promote and um, mentor women to uh, gain seats on public company boards. Um, so I will kind of leave it there until we get through some of the other questions, but it's an honor to be here today. Thank you for allowing us to speak, George, at this wonderful event. My name is Veena Jayadeva. I also wear a couple of hats. I'm at Guardian Life. I'm the head of Enterprise ESG, which is Environmental, Social, and Governance. I'm also the Chief of Staff to the Chief Information and Operations Officer. Um, formerly, I was the head of Corporate Social Responsibility, and I think all these pieces really tie together um, with the theme around collaboration. And I think it's collaboration not just between the public sector and the private sector, but collaboration within corporations themselves. Um, so Guardian Life is a 160-plus-year-old mutual life insurance company based here in New York. We're a purely domestic company with some operations in India. And I will say as a mission-oriented, driven organization, we've been on this ESG journey for many, many years. We just never called it that. Um, and I think one of, the main, one of the main parts of my role as their first head of ESG is to say, we have a lot of great work that's happening kind of in a siloed manner, right? So whether it's corporate responsibility, whether it's DEI, whether it's around sustainable procurement, whether it's around responsible investments, we need to come together and have the conversations because that's really where the collaboration, that's where the innovation happens, that's where you bring the business along, and that's really where the impact happens. So I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation with my panelists. Thank you. Hello, and uh, thank you all. Thank you, George. Thank you, Kim. Uh, thank you, everybody, for putting this event together. <clears throat> uh, I am a husband, a father, and a grandfather uh, <clears throat> of some, and have some tremendous women in my life, and um, that has led me down a path that has brought me to my investing with impact directorship at Morgan Stanley <clears throat> within the ESG framework, uh, specifically focused around female <clears throat> female empowerment and enhancing women's lives, making sure that the finances in their lives are empowering rather than uh, limiting. 
Thank you so much. Um, our next question is, we'd like to know how your organizations or companies are investing towards the completion of the SDGs. KPMG, um, as I mentioned, we have a focus on SDG 4, um, which is all centered around education, but equally more important, as we have all know, is SDG 17, and it's all centered around partnerships. Um, so this question is very timely, um, because just yesterday, my colleague Malika Adam, who's out in the audience, um, she and I kicked off uh, a program that we um, just started where we are trying to advance equity and access um, in education, primarily within our community colleges. Um, we have a matching gift program, which most companies offer. And this year, we've, um, we, we launched an application process. Um, and in just a short eight-week period, uh, we had over 215 schools apply to be part of this program. And what, we, what we're doing with them is supporting their diversity and equity programs. So yesterday, Malika and I toured Wagner College and LaGuardia Community College, two of the five that are actually here in New York City, just some phenomenal programs. But those partnerships couldn't actually have been made possible without partnerships here. And my co-panelist, um, Vina Jayadeva, actually suggested those organizations to us. Um, in addition to those two, we have Springfield Technical Community College, Central Washington University, um, out west, and um, I always forget on the last one, Seton Hill University outside um, Pennsylvania. So we are really trying to advance um, equity in education. That was just an example of one of the partnerships that we've launched. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. Um, so with BNY Mellon, we, in the putting uh, the Future First campaign that we did, um, and I think we've talked a lot about the intersectionality of the goals. So in the hat that we wear, um, we really haven't isolated one goal. We really believe that there's a cascading effect um, across all of them. And so, and that does speak to partnership. It also speaks to how you engage in the community, um, and not just as an employer, right? And so in the give back part of it, um, we're a leading trustee of green bonds, um, and we also made a pledge, and we've been carbon neutral since 2015. So across the environmental, across the social, and then also in the governance, um, we implemented also um, a shareholder kind of uh, say on pay campaign, which is unique, and so, and especially in, in the finance space, um, where where there's a lot of noise oftentimes about the pay. Um, so there's more just to kind of speak to some of the equity throughout the employee engagement components of it. Similar to what my panelist Anita was saying around, you know, how do we, how are we committed to improving access to the field generally? Um, we have a campaign underway and I'm actually leading um, in the uh, Washington DC area at the at Howard University, a HSBC, but part of this campaign is to very directly get in front of mentorship opportunities in HSBCs um, across the country, and so there's several of the regions, mine included, that are leading that effort, um, which is, um, I think, also a, a kind of testament to how we want to shape the future of finance. Um, who's employed by it, who benefits from it, um, how we structure, even how we're structuring products and solutions. And I, I, I talk a lot about financial wellness. It's a money and psychology around money is uh, a shared vulnerability among all humans, 
right? And so when we're trying to solve poverty, we can't do that in ignorance of who has access to it and who doesn't, and how we contribute to those structures that um, I think help people advance. Um, one of the interesting things um, that has that has come out of the pandemic is, you know, we went into the pandemic really with, um, you know, most majority of the wealth, 80% of the wealth live in the developed countries, right, is owned by developed countries, but 80% of the population is not, right, and so how we achieve goal number one cannot happen without the other 16, um, and especially not by 2030. So we we kind of thought about how we embed that in the infrastructure in our organization, even to the extent that we campaign quite heavily for leadership in our local markets to be in community um, on the other side of the table. And so many, many of us are encouraged to and are highly active in, in boards that are really targeted at many of these goals, uh, myself included. So. Uh, Carolee. Oh, sorry, thank we'll you. We'll come back to the front. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, so, so let, me, let me throw out some numbers, which I know most of you probably know, but they're, they're important, I think, just to frame what I'm going to say, which is that 52% of the population are women, 50%, 51% are, workport, are uh, the workforce, 85% um, make all the spending care de uh, spending decisions. 80% uh, of the healthcare decisions um, are made by women, and 60% of the wealth in this country is owned by women. So women drive economies. But if women are not healthy, they can't, they can't drive economies, and, and they can't take care of their families. What we realized was that women were grossly understudied. As business women, we had the feeling that if you could get more women into clinical trials, and just to, uh, to put that in perspective, less than 3% of black women are in clinical trials, less than 2% in oncological trials. 30 years ago, the Revitalization Act uh, was passed in Congress, and that was one of its mandates. It'll be the 30th anniversary in 2023. I think this is not acceptable. Uh, what we did was to show, um, by uh, commissioning a study with RAND, the following, and I'll just give you three numbers. And if you want more, there's plenty of data at whamnow.org, W-H-A-M-N-O-W.org. Less than 12% of dollars are allocated by NIH uh, to study women and, and Alzheimer's disease, yet 66% of the population that has Alzheimer's disease is, are women. Women are twice as likely to have Alzheimer's disease than men. As a business person, this is not an acceptable number. How about 7% for autoimmune disease? 80% of the people who have autoimmune disease are women. 7% of the dollars allocated to study women. How about this one, heart disease? One in three women will die from heart disease. It's the number one killer of women in the country and the world, I believe. And 4% is what's allocated by NIH. So, very quickly, those three, just those three categories add up to 150 million. That to me is also an unacceptable number. If you double that to 300 million, the return to the economy according to the RAND micro simulation is 300 million. Congress, a couple of Congress people were so excited by that, Jan Schakowsky and Tammy Duckworth, uh, presented a resolution to Congress to double the budget in those numbers. 
And so partnerships are important for us, obviously, in policy and academia, uh, where we have tremendous partnerships, in business, um, and in any other space in which we can find it. Um, I'll leave it at that. And thank you, George. I forgot that at the very beginning. <laughs> Apologies. Scott. Sure, thank you. Um, I think kind of one of the key things, again, remembering that I'm representing the entire retail industry. So that's the world's largest retailers down to the world's smallest retailers. Uh, when I began the job, one of the things I did was survey the members. What of, which of the SDGs are most important to you? No surprise, all 17 made the list. Various retailers said all of them, but some were very specific, but all 17 were covered. So the, the question really became, what's the role of a trade association in this space? And it turns out that SDG 17, this collaboration piece, this working together piece, becomes the critical role that we can play. And one of the key understandings was it's not just collaborating amongst the retail community, which we've done very, very well, but it's kind of recognizing that from a retailer's perspective, 98% of their sustainability footprint, 98% is in those supply chains. And a large chunk is also available with the consumers and how they behave after a purchase. So what NRF has recognized is we have the opportunity to collaborate inside the industry. We have the opportunity to collaborate with retailers and their suppliers but we also have the opportunity to collaborate with consumers because consumers ultimately want more sustainable products made in more sustainable ways from more sustainable companies. And retailers get to be that center point. We are the center of the world after all. Retailers get to be that connection point between supply chains and consumers. And so at NRF, we're heavily invested in SDG 17 because our members are heavily invested in all of the others. Bring it back down to you. <laughs> I think I'll echo a little bit what Karen was saying in the sense that as a financial services company in the insurance space, financial well-being is paramount in terms of what we think about in terms of the SDGs. However, there's that interconnectedness between all of them. And so once again, bringing it back to the interconnectedness of what happens within a corporation, I think everything from how do you leverage your DEI efforts to support your corporate social responsibility efforts, to support your sustainable procurement efforts, to then inform some of the things we think about even from an investment standpoint, right? So how do you, again, foster those conversations in a way, have the governance structures in place, and think about, you know, from everything from executive engagement in the community in a meaningful kind of way to how do you activate your employee base, whether it's from a financial or skills-based perspective. Um, all of that needs to come together um, in, a, in a connected way such that these notions of ESG principles are embedded into the fabric of a culture of an organization. So it's not just a top-down approach where you have somebody like me who's quarterbacking all of it, but that every person, regardless of where they sit in an organization, what role they have, have this sense of purpose and mission and responsibility to not just their manager, to their department, to their company, but to the community and the world at large much broader. Thank you. We'll close it out with Jason. <laughs> 
Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, at Morgan Stanley, we've developed our uh, tool called the Impact Quotient, uh, and when we look at Oh, there we go. Uh, when we look at how a portfolio aligns with your individual uh, mission statement and, and work to get your capital in line with how, your individual, how you individually look at the um, 17 SDGs, uh, you know, we have the ability to get more alignment so that your capital is focused uh, where it needs to go. That encompasses everything from being able to promote, you know, uh, menstrual and contraceptive care to economies that uh, you know don't have it right now to lift up out of poverty, to advancing uh, you know equity for uh, different stakeholders within businesses. Uh, but we have a deep scoring system for how things are done, and the analytics to drive down into a portfolio to make sure that your money represents what you want it to represent, and collectively those 17 goals are all, represent, all represented in that process and it pushes them all forward. And working with our uh, competitors, our partners, uh, our vendors, we really build out uh, a strong system where we can all succeed together to take on these big goals because they're really big goals <laughs> and we need to work together to do that.